Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. Sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello and welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. I'm Anthony DeBundo, joined as always by BJ Cunningham. And no Michael Leboff tonight. He's out sick. Uh, he said he's out sick, but he may be out celebrating his Hideki Matsuyama winning ticket at whatever golf tournament finished uh, on Sunday. Uh, so no Leboff, but BJ's here. We've got Champions League. We've got Europa League second leg playoffs. We've got some big-time Premier League matches with City and Liverpool both now jockeying in the title race with your gunners to figure out you know, where they're all going to be positioned uh, come the stretch run here. But before we get into the Champions League, we've got four really enticing matchups. It's a reminder that Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365. Bet365 doesn't do ordinary. That's why you get more boosts with them than anyone else. Every day, they power up the odds on hundreds of bets to give you a chance to win more. They boost specific markets your winnings, and even parlays, and they don't stop there. Keep an eye out for their biggest and best odds with the incredible Super Boost. Check out these boosts and see why it's never ordinary at Bet365. As a disclaimer, you must be 21 or older and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia, or 18 and older in Kentucky. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms and conditions apply. So when the draw came out, BJ, I think there were a couple matches people saw as maybe coin flips, but this was probably the highest profile match in terms of two really high quality teams going at it. Inter Milan, leaders in Serie A, they've started to open up a lead. They're the def- defending runner-ups. They've had all the, the, the tournament success in the Italian Cups and in the Champions League recently, going up against historically one of the great managers in this competition in Diego Simeone. It's a shame Leboff's not here to tell us all why we should bet Atletico Madrid uh, because they're such a good tournament team. 
But really, it's been Inter that has kind of developed their versatility and their ability to be good in these kind of settings. And they are the ones now that have taken money. Seemingly, every time I check the line, it moves further and further toward Inter, uh, both in the money line and the two advance for this first leg, BJ. Yeah, I actually do like Inter quite a bit in this first leg. Uh, projected them at minus 161. The, obviously, the number is rising, so anything minus 135 or, or better is good enough for me. And it kind of comes down to you know why I like them for this match is similar to how I like them because to win the Champions League. And it's their ability to not only be great in possession and dominate the ball, but to be fantastic out of possession, sitting in a 3-5-2, usually five at the back. They have only allowed 10 goals in Serie A, 6.8 or excuse me, 0.68 non-penalty XG for 90 minutes in Italy, 5.3 expected goals allowed in their six Champions League matches. And they are an elite team and can really hurt you in transition. Taram and Martinez are both over a 0.65 XG plus XA per 90 minutes, both combining for almost seven shots per 90. Like they are an elite, elite team and really shouldn't be around 20 to one, should be probably closer to the 12, 10 to one range to win the Champions League. Atletico Madrid is going to be without Morata, which is a really big loss for them. Not only is he having a fantastic season in front of net in terms of finishing, he is so good for what they want to do tactically. He's probably, you know, one of the things we talk about with Morata is why he starts up top for Spain all the time is because he is one of the smartest tactical forwards in the world. He is so good at pulling defenders out of out of the way to create space for Griezmann and everybody else, and that's why Griezmann has really been able to flourish. Without him, they don't really have a striker like him, especially trying to break down a, a, a back five. is going to be really difficult. Now, you'll probably see Diego Simeone go back to his old ways. I'm sure it'll be 4-4-2 low blocker. He'll play five at the back, and he'll sit deep, and he'll try to get a result here in the first leg. But Inter has shown the ability to break down low blocks throughout Serie A. There's a lot of teams that play deep low blocks. Nobody presses anymore, so they've seen it time and time again. And Honestly, Atletico's defense really hasn't been as good as it's been in years past. They've been more willing to play open, but 1.1 XG per 90 minutes is the highest they've allowed under Simeone since we started tracking expected goals in 2015. And if we just look at pure expected goal differential, Atletico is at 0.57 per 90 in La Liga, enters at plus 1.21 in Serie A. So by UEFA coefficients, these two leagues are actually pretty similar. So... I think Inter is undervalued here in the first leg. I really like them on the money line here at home where they've been fantastic at the San Siro. And again, you probably are going to see Simeone go back to his old ways. But if he doesn't and he decides to play more open, Inter is going to punish them time and time again on the counter. So I really like Inter here in the first leg. Anything minus 135 or better, uh, I think best price you can find out there right now is minus 120. Yeah, so the market opened here. Inter was like plus 105. They were minus 134 to advance at one book two weeks ago. The total opened when the draw came out in December uh, at two and a half, and it didn't take long for it to get bet down. I think it's pretty, you know, pretty clear stuff here, right? Like first leg, two managers who are generally pretty pragmatic, not going to play particularly open. You know, Inter's going to play a very passive defensive line. They're not going to press a ton, but they're very good against presses. So you're not going to see Atleti come out and really like force the issue necessarily and and so Atleti does get the advantage with the first leg on the road that like okay just get a draw come home and feel pretty good about your chances but I think what we've seen now is the market the market has moved on this match pretty substantially to enter I mean I logged in the app uh, and I talked about it on last week's show heading into the Champions League that you could bet minus 134 the best price I could find on enter to advance is now minus 170 which is generally where I think it should be 
I don't think it should be much higher than that. But their price to win the Champions League hasn't moved. And that doesn't really make a ton of sense if you think about it, because this is a huge obstacle, right? Like the reason they're priced so much lower than, say, PSG or even a Bayern at this point is because they have a more tenuous position to advance. Whereas right now, I think if you were you know, discussing like ranking teams most likely to win the Champions League right now, of course, City's one. I'd probably say Arsenal's two. And I'd probably say Inter's three before I even said Real Madrid or Bayern. Just based on, you know, even what we saw last week from those two teams, obviously Bayern, uh, more on them later. Crumbling. But maybe next week. But um, I'm going to end up betting them in the return leg. Um, yep. I think the, uh, the, the question here, though, is Inter can beat you in so many different ways. You mentioned it. They have the most passes per passing sequence in Syria. They also have the most direct attacks, shots from direct attacks in Syria. They're very good against the press. We talked about that. And they've also been great in these tournaments, right? So they won the Copa Italia this year. They won it or last year rather and the year before. So the last two Copa Italias, Inter has won. The Super Copa, they've won two of the last 3 years. So it's an Inter team that has under Inzaghi really developed this excellent kind of resume to respect and even in their recent Champions League losses, like they went out 2-1 on aggregate to to uh, Liverpool two years ago, a Liverpool team that they beat on expected goals, and then they go to the final last year and really played even with City. So I think they are well-built, uh, not just for this match, but for the tournament. And uh, I think if you're going to play them, you may have missed your opportunity now in the match market, just because this is getting up to like minus 130, 135. It's like a 7-8% swing in the last two weeks, but... I do think there's a clear advantage they have, and Murata being out is a big loss. I think it puts a lot more pressure on Griezmann, uh, who's not going to have a ton of space to operate again in the middle of the pitch against Inter. All right, yep. so this is the matchup I'm most excited for. Tuesday afternoon, it's going to be a great multicast day. Like The first week games were pretty dull in the end. Leipzig-Madrid yeah. was probably the best one, and it ended up being like unexciting for the second half. And... Of course, you know, you get the big Bayern upset, but that was a terrible watch, and Copenhagen got smoked, and PSG, like, survived because they have Mbappe, but none of those games were particularly exciting. I do not think that's the case with this one. This is the most evenly matched in the betting markets. PSV is plus 105 to advance. Dortmund, you can find, like, a minus 125, minus 130. I'm not even sure I agree with that. I think we need to have a conversation about the Bundesliga, but first, you like PSV. I also do, too. Uh, Can the Dutch team make a run here? Yes, I actually really like this matchup for them. Now, they're running rampant through the Eredivisie right now. Um, Plus 49.6 expected goal differential in 22 matches, averaging close to three expected goals per 90. That's insane. Like, I know the Eredivisie is like down once you get past uh, Ajax, who is even down as well, Feyenoord, Twenty, and Alkmaar. After those names, it's uh, it's very bleak and very bad, quite frankly. So they put up, you know, crazy numbers against really bad teams. That's why you're seeing this right now. But even if we look at what they did in the Champions League, they had basically one bad match at Arsenal where they got beat 4 nothing. And outside of that, the remaining five matches, they had a plus 1.2 expected goal differential. And I know they had Lens and Lance and uh, Sevilla in their group, which are uh, not great teams, but, you know, PSV is a team that actually plays similar to Jurgen Klopp's Dortmund that we saw many, many years ago. I mean, you remember Boss was a manager at Dortmund at one point after Klopp had left for Liverpool. It is high-intensity pressing, 
crazy intense counter pressing and it is quick transitions and it is in your face. And if you're not ready for it, they will punish you over and over and over again. This year, you know, they're, they've, they've, their pressing has gotten so much better. Their pass per defense a- action went from 12 last year to about 10 this year. And they're high, they're averaging about two more high turnovers per 90 minutes, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but is actually quite a bit in the grand scheme of things. You know, we've talked about Dorman obviously quite a bit on this podcast. And what it boils down to is their defense still is just terrible. They've had this run over the last few matches where they haven't really played anybody difficult. So now everybody thinks Dorman's back and, you know, they're working their way back inside the top four in the Bundesliga. But they only played one team over their last six, seven matches that's in the top half of the Bundesliga table. And it's Freiburg, and they beat them pretty badly. But in the four matches they've played against Bayern Munich, Leverkusen, Stuttgart, and Leipzig, they have conceded 12.3 expected goals. And they drastically overperformed during the group stage, allowed only four goals in the group of death of 10.6 expected. This defense is still really bad. And it's funny because they go through this great run and it's just like, okay, well, let's just peek what happened when they actually had to play good teams. And they got dominated by Stuttgart in the cup, dominated by PSG in the Champions League, got routed by both Leverkusen and Bayern Munich. It's And Leipzig. And Leipzig as well. There was a red card in there. But um, but still, this defense is terrible defending in transition. And for a PSV team that's going to just... Um, come at you in waves and has so much attacking talent for a Dutch team. I think they are very live here to win. I have them projected as a pretty decent favorite here. So I really like PSV at plus 125. Uh, I think they're probably one of the best values on the board this week, the Champions League. I agree. I think there is a world where PSV gets done on the break, right? That's what the, that's what happened against Arsenal. They went to Arsenal on the road, first matchup, and they kind of overcommitted themselves a little bit. They really went for it. They tried to go at Arsenal, and Arsenal really cooked them on, on the break and, and dominated that match. And so that's like the scary case. But you're going to hear this narrative. It's like, well, Dortmund, they won the group of death. But did they really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were outplayed by PSG badly in both games. They needed like multiple goal line clearances and terrible misses from PSG in the second leg to win it um, in Dortmund. And uh, Dortmund gave up over 2XG in a win against Milan on the road. They gave up over 6XG in their three away matches combined. And then you just talked about it. I mean, even the away game against Wolfsburg, I watched the game. There is no midfield. You can run through them with relative ease. It's very, uh, very simple. And, you know, I think they've done a nice job getting Madsen and Sancho in to help their attack because they were kind of struggling to fit the pieces together. And now I think with like Sancho, Madsen, Malin, and Fulkrug, like they have a group they trust and like, and I think they're going to probably score. But I, I really think PSV, the thing about them, you know, most people probably haven't watched PSV play all year. They're one of the most direct, extreme transition teams in the world. They don't recycle the ball. They don't keep possession. They don't let, they're not going to let them get set. And the biggest weakness for Dortmund is their transition defense, their set piece defense. PSV is elite uh, in transition. So I think that's where this matchup is decided ultimately. And and also, like, the whole conversation about the Bundesliga, because we have talked about Bayern a lot. And I've kind of waffled on Bayern, where I'm like, well, like, these results don't make sense. If you put their Champions League results up in that group with a Copenhagen team that we know is really not that good, with a United team that we shit on more than anybody else in the world, probably, on the show, and Galatasaray, who outplayed them badly in one of the two mm-hmm. games, we now have a Bayern team that had like pretty mediocre underlying numbers in the Champions League and then followed it up just like 
a nothing showing against Lazio. They could not press Lazio. They could not frustrate Lazio. They had their chances. Like, yeah, they probably should have scored a goal, but they couldn't force Lazio into real conflict. It was very much like Lazio attacks, and then Bayern gets the ball back, and then Bayern attacks, and they they peters out, and then so they were not impressive in that game. Obviously, they lost. Even before the penalty and the red card, though, they were like very mediocre against an average Serie A team. So that's another red flag. Let's go down the board. Leipzig plays Real Madrid without center backs, without Jude Bellingham. And they looked pretty average. I mean, they had their chances. They probably should have had a goal. They were a little unlucky, like a weird set piece deflection. But they didn't really threaten when they needed to. And that's concerning. And their field tilt numbers in the Champions League group stage were way down compared to last year. Even in the games against Young Boys and Belgrade on the road, home against Young Boys, like they did not control those matches the way you would expect like the third best team in the Bundesliga to do it. Then there's Dortmund. We talked about them. They get through the group of death. Okay. I, I hate the fact that I feel like I'm saying like everybody just stinks, but like <laughs> Newcastle, by the time they got to play Dortmund, were running out like skeleton units. And we don't think much of Milan defensively. So, yes, it was a tough group. But it's like let's not pretend they were beating Real Madrid here. Um, and they got hammered by PSG in both games. So the results of the Bundesliga in Europe this year are not very good. And that goes down to like even Freiburg, who was like okay in a group with West Ham. And that's like pretty much it. Uh, like the, the league is just clearly down. And I think... It's really hard. With the, cha- the hardest thing in the Champions League is trying to figure out how to weight the teams. Because we, we talk about it all the time, BJ. We go back and forth and we're like, well, you know, the coefficients say this. But the coefficients don't know. Like, it, it's really hard to, to directly assume for that. Because, like, it, things can change really quick. And, like, the numbers aren't going to pick up on it necessarily. So that's the hardest part of the thing we do. And I, I've come into this situation and come out of it and just said, like, aren't all of these German teams a fraud except maybe Leverkusen? They might be. Quite frankly, um, I, I don't know what to make of Bayern anymore. I, I want to say it's just a, a bad a bad run, but given know. how badly they were beaten by Leverkusen, that doesn't feel like and a bad run to me. Yeah, and but it was bad luck. Okay, they created yeah, like three and a half XG. They lost to Bochum. Everybody's freaking out. Tuchel yeah. made it. You know it's bad. And look, yep, it's very XG bad more. when the coaches mention XG. It's when very, very bad. Talk, we're supposed to talk about XG, not the yeah. coaches. When you don't ever hear a coach when they win. Yeah, you don't, don't ever coach when things are going good, talk about it, what their XG was. No, they never say that. It's always when things are going bad and they can't score. That's when they bring it up. But no, it's, uh, yeah, so, you know, from a projection standpoint, I obviously use the wave coefficients, but I've changed over the last few years. Now I start um, taking overall league uh, transfer value from transfermarket.com to give it kind of a more of a like talent level as opposed to, oh, you know, for example, Italy just had a good run last year. And, you know, the, the bracket, you know, obviously set up for Napoli and AC Milan and, and uh, Inter pretty well comparatively. And Roma Fiorentina. <clears throat> right, exactly. And Fiorentina as well. So it's kind of like, oh, is Italy good now? It's like, okay, maybe not. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of both, you know, using past results and obviously current talent levels. So, yeah, I agree. Germany is very top heavy too. Like if you look at the German table, if you go to FB ref and you look at uh, XG differential, it is... Leverkusen, Bayern, Stuttgart, Dortmund's like, you know, getting up there after these like, you know, this stretch of run where they've had to play some bad teams. 
Leipzig, and then it just completely craters after that. Yeah, I don't and think Freiburg's everybody. Good. If you like Freiburg's every, a top half team, like they're exactly. extremely and average. You know what they are? You know what it is, Anthony? It's blob. It's a blob yeah. of teams that is just like some of them are like okay, some of them are average, some of them are bad. We have a couple like really bad teams like Darmstadt and Cologne. But Gladbach. there's just like this, yeah. And there's just this blob of teams that are just average. And so, yes, yeah, Stuttgart, Bayern, and Leverkusen will just beat up on those teams. But what we've seen from Bayern is when they have to play the really good teams, maybe they're not so good. Um, yeah, so I don't know what to make of Bayern. It looks like they're keeping Tuchel right now, which I thought, you know, for the vibes, I think they should have fired him and brought in Mourinho because I thought that would have been great theater. Um, I think it's it, it's like new manager bounce time. They got exactly. Leipzig this weekend, and they have Lazio in a couple weeks. Yeah, uh, if the line creeps down to like one and a half plus money, I'm going to bet them against Lazio in the return leg. But I will. I, will I, I just think that like when you watch, you know, and, and it all makes sense with Bayern, right? Like they're running back this team. They don't have wingers right now because Coman and, and Gnabry are out, and they don't really have fullbacks. The fullbacks have been kind of injured too, and it's like everything is just in front of a team. There's no conflict that they force and, and Tuchel ball. Like they, they want control and you're just not going to control teams to death in, in, in that situation, unless you finish really well. And they have, right. so they had a little, you know, weird patch where they didn't um, because if Kane scores that chance early in the match against Lazio, they probably just win it. And then we're like, Oh yeah, Byron's fine. Like they yep. blew it in the Bundesliga, but like, okay. Um, but yeah, no. So I, I think I'm out on the, on the Bundesliga as a whole. Uh, I think I'm going to fade them by betting PSV here. I think plus 125 yep. is still good. I bet them down almost even money in the first leg. I think they may have problems when they go to Dortmund in the reverse leg. Like they could easily get pounded. But yeah, the one thing about PSV is they do play a high line. So oh, yeah. that's the one thing where it's like, okay, if you're going to counter press like really aggressively and play a high line. I mean, if you watched Dortmund against Newcastle, like that's how they beat New- that. That's how Dortmund beat Newcastle. It was just bra- balls on over the top on the break and scored a couple goals that way. So yeah. that's the worry here. Sancho but, game. I think Sancho has to be involved if, if they right. if they're going to do this right because he's so good as an outlet. And I think you mentioned it right. They they ambush Newcastle when they lost the ball. They like repress Newcastle and force some turnovers. That's gonna be hard. PSV is better in possession than Newcastle, so yeah. I think that'll be a, a challenge for them. But I, I agree. Like obviously, there's gonna be space for Dortmund. Um, as I, well. Listen, I mean, this is again, this the total, is the total. By the way, like I know it's like a first leg, and teams are supposed to be cagey and like overs or like voodoo. But like, what? How is this not three? I don't know. I'm gonna have to take a. Dortmund deep. is playing like a competent team, and the total is two and a half. Uh, it's just crazy. I mean, Dortmund matches are averaging like close to three, three and a half mm-hmm. in the Bundesliga right now. Exactly. And they're yeah. like, and like they're not and, a good. And defense. again, it's not like they're playing teams who don't fit the German style. Like PSV is playing Bundesliga ball. They're just not, in, they're just not yeah. technically in the league, but there might as well be. Uh, yeah. Very Stuttgartian and what they do. Um, yep. And Dortmund, I mean, they gave up three goals every time they play Stuttgart. Yep. So um, yeah, it, it's a fun one. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. 
Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Uh, let's shift to Wednesday because we've got a really boring one now. Probably the most boring matchup of this round. Sorry, BJ. Arsenal-Porto. Much like Inter, Arsenal taking a ton of money. Uh, everybody's watching them pile on the goals all week. Uh, shout out. Not Martin. elite offense, by the way. Shout not not elite. They can't create from open play. Not elite. It, it, it is really funny because I, I, was, I was loading up a text to you. It was like the 42nd <laughs> minute. They had like two shots in the first half against Burnley. Like Odegaard had a nice goal, nice finish, and they didn't take a shot for like 30 minutes. And, uh, and I was getting ready to load up the text when they won the penalty. And I was like, ah, I'm just going to save the pen. I'm going to save the text. I'm not going to send it. Yeah. This <laughs> is after they went up one nothing, by the way. What's that? It's after they went up one nothing that they right, didn't right, get the Well, yeah, but you would expect them to continue to take shots against the, the, one of the worst teams in the league. Um, no, they're fine. Arsenal is going to be great. They're going to win the Champions League. Uh, and the Premier League. And the Premier League. And yep. uh, they're out of the cup, so they won't win that. But uh, no, no trouble for Arsenal this year. But they might do the That's double. Okay. Um, That's okay. So anyway, Porto now. Now, when you think Porto, you probably think like good defensive team, good on the counter. It's not really true. Uh, they're they're a good defensive team, but they can't really play on the counter. They're kind of average. Uh, they like to have a lot of the ball. They get a lot of the ball in Portugal. They like to just keep the ball and do nothing with it. Now they're playing a team who will not let them do that, who will prioritize control. And I just don't think their attack's any good. And that's going to be the biggest issue for them against Arsenal, who uh, has the best attack in the world, according to one of the two Wonder Goal hosts. Uh, mm-hmm. They created they nine expected goals in six group matches against three pretty flawed defensive teams, right? They play Barcelona. We talked about them, and we're going to talk about them in a minute. And they play uh, Shakhtar and Antwerp. Antwerp proving to be like the worst defense in the pool. Um, so they only got nine XG in six matches against them. That's not great. You'd expect more. They scored a shit ton of goals. If you look at it, you're like, oh, 15 goals. They were so threatening. Even the games against Barca, they they struggled to really do much on the break. They had a couple moments that broke through that, you know, like VAR kind of intervened and said, no, you don't. You don't get your penalties or your goals. But I, I really don't think their numbers in Portugal give me any reason to believe that they're going to threaten Arsenal here. I did take some under two and a half openers. Like the total opened. Under two and a half was plus 110. I threw it in the app. Now it's like minus 125, 130. I think that's way too high. I think this total should be two and a half, period. Um, so you can get plus money. It's great, but you're not anymore. So I don't really like a, a, a total anymore. And I think from a side perspective, it would be Arsenal or nothing. But now you're paying an extra tax on Arsenal based off of what? Like the vibes are good? No, because they're insanely difficult to prepare for. Now than they were two weeks ago. Just no, like I didn't they're... think they were meaningfully worse a month ago when everybody wrote them off and said, oh, they lost to West Ham and Fulham, like the season's over. They don't have the it factor. Like, I haven't changed my opinion of Arsenal in the last month at all. The market has, though, which I respect. 
But like, I think it's kind of gone far to the point where I'm not going to pay the tax. I'm not saying take Porto. I'm not taking it. I'm going to let this one sit. You can have fun. Hope Arsenal wins 2-0 with the second goal coming in stoppage time so I don't have to sweat. Hmm. And, um, and we move on to the next round. So Arsenal is so back and so... Dubai camp saved the team? That's what I was reading today. Yeah, well, I think what has saved Arsenal and what has made them so difficult is these last three matches, they're playing obviously a false nine. They're not playing Gabi Jesus. They're playing the last two. It's been Trossard, the Liverpool match. It was Havertz. And they have become, with their fluidity and their buildup, insanely difficult to prepare for. Because what will happen repeatedly is Trossard or Odegaard will drop deep and build up and basically create the box midfield, which you see from... Leverkusen, Brighton, Bayern, you know, all the elite teams in the world, they're trying to overload the middle middle part of the pitch. Even in their last match against Burnley, Bar- Arsenal was basically playing a 4-2-2-2. They, once they were dropping Trossard and Odegaard so far back that it makes it very difficult for opposing defenders to say, because a lot of teams obviously like to go man-to-man, they say, wait, do we track those guys all the way back there and get in a really uncomfortable position? Because if they do that, then what's going to happen? Saka and Martinelli are going to make runs in behind them and punish them. And Saka and Martinelli are absolutely complete wingers because they can play out wide in 1v1. They can come in centrally and be inside the half space and find that space, receive the ball, play it. You know, obviously one of them can make a run off the back line. So, you know, if, if you watch the West Ham match, you know, Arsenal didn't score for about the first, you know, 20 or so minutes. And West Ham was, they were scrambling in their low block. Like they were trying so hard, like to, you know, obviously find fine guys, keep them, keep Arsenal from getting overloads. But what kept happening is Arsenal had had three V2s in buildup everywhere in the pitch. No matter where, if they went out wide, they went centrally, they were manipulating space and doing all that. So when that happens, you know, teams that like to play passive low blocks struggle for a full 90 minutes to, de- to defend that fluidity. And then the last few matches, Ben White's been inverting into the midfield. So it's like, what do we do? Like, how do we how do we defend this? And yes, there will be a, a match where Arsenal gets caught on the wrong side of variance. They, you know, take a bunch of shots and they don't score. And everybody's going to say, oh my gosh, the offense sucks again. It's not elite. They can't score from open play. But the reality is, is that they right. are the most difficult team to prepare for in the world, right? given what they have tactically with them. Obviously, Sokka has been mm-hmm. in great form. When they're playing this false nine, Sokka is the one that's getting the most shots. Like he is the one that, like I said, playing in the half space, making runs off the back line. He's the one that's going to probably score all the goals. And guess what? He's in fantastic form right now. So Porto, you mentioned it, a team that, you know, you think 4-4-2 low block. Actually, the last five matches in Portugal, they've switched to a 4-2-3-1. Like they're play, trying to play more possession dominant. So I think for this match, you'll probably see them obviously sit back in a 4-4-2, whatever it is. But they actually like to play a little more of a mid block, kind of a higher line. They like to condense the space in the middle. So that's going to try to help them to prevent Arsenal from creating that overload in the centrally. But as we know with Arsenal, because they have such good wingers, they're going to try to create those overloads out wide and then get the ball centrally and create obviously a bunch of chances that way. So if you're wondering why Arsenal's suddenly scoring all of these goals without a true striker up top, it's because they have become the most difficult team to prepare for in the world. You know, Portugal, you know, uh, Porto, they're only allowing 0.75 non-penalty XG per 90 minutes in Portugal, which is obviously very good. And like, you know, that's something to, you know, write off. But if you look at their three matches, you know, against Braga, Sporting, and Benfica, 
they allowed about 1.4 XG in all three of those matches. And then, you know, like you mentioned during the group stage, like they weren't that great defensively against, you know, Shakhtar put three past them in the final match in a match they had to win Barcelona in the second meeting at Barca. They pretty well uh, dominated them. So Arsenal is going to be able to control possession. It's how good is Porto in their low block? I don't think they're really that good comparatively to what we've seen against the good teams in Portugal and the fact that they were in a pretty weak group. So, and you mentioned obviously the offensive Porto. I mean, Taremi, Taremi is 0.27 XG per 90 minutes and getting 1.2 shots per 90 in Portugal. Like that's okay. really, really down and bad for him. You know, even Ilsen is the only guy that's over a 0.35 XG per 90 minutes. So this is not a really good Porto team comparatively to what we've seen in the past. So I love Arsenal here. I have them projected at minus 188. Love them at minus 140. That and PSV are probably, you know, I, I really like this Champions League slate. You know, I think three bets that I feel very, very confident in. So I'm sure it'll end up, you know, going on the wrong side and I'll look like an idiot. But I really feel confident in Inter, PSV, and Arsenal given the tactical matchups that they have. Yeah, I like all three too, generally. I just think like now, uh, you know, and this is why we talk about like getting the best of the number matters. These lines have been up for three months. And I know we just did the pod. We're doing the pod now. We're talking about it now because it's happening now. But you could have bet Inter at even money and Arsenal at minus 115, 20, like three months ago, three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Uh, and I know limits go up now and more people, you know, sharp people bet into the markets. Uh, I feel very good about our positions on Inter yeah. and Arsenal from a futures perspective, seeing just how much market support they're getting now as we go into this group stage. So, uh, or the round of 16. So, since we've decided that nobody is good except for Arsenal and Inter, Porto is not good. Dortmund is not good. The Bundesliga is not good. Let's talk about two more teams who are just not very good. Uh, Napoli and Barcelona. Going good luck in this match. I have no idea what's going to happen. It, it's truly the hardest match, I think, to, to kind of predict. Uh, going back and forth here. Napoli, Barcelona, Wednesday, 3 p.m. Just going to be the main screen for me. Arsenal will have like a corner of my laptop. Mm. Because uh, I, I don't, don't, uh, don't. You don't want to watch them win 6 nothing. I don't think that'll be too. So I would not appreciate 6 nothing. I, I can. <laughs> I can kiss my CLV goodbye if, if they lose 6 nothing or win 6 nothing. But Napoli-Barcelona. So you got one team who all of a sudden can't stop anybody, Barcelona, and one team who all of a sudden just can't score, going up against one another. And that creates a fun matchup because you've got Mazzari, who might be fired by the time this game kicks off Wednesday. There's rumors that he's out. They already have his replacement lined up. You've got Osimhen, who may or may not be healthy enough to play this match. He looked awful at the end of AFCON. Uh, couldn't get our Nigeria tickets home for yeah, us. Yeah, he was, he was injured. Yeah, and then he gets a week off, week and a half. Now they think he might be back for this match. But how good is he going to be? That's another big question mark. And then, then it's like, a, okay, look, Napoli has run unbelievably bad in Italy from an attacking perspective. They've scored, since December, 0.65 goals per match creating over one XG per match. They're still creating chances. Obviously, Osimhen missed some time due to injury. Then he missed some time due to AFCON. So that's a big loss. But they're better than those numbers suggest. And Barcelona's defense is as bad as it looks. I watched the whole Vigo match on Saturday. Like Their transition defense is awful. They don't stop the ball. There is nobody that stops the ball for the team. Christensen, De Jong, Pedri with a starting midfield. You're getting no ball winning from them. Cancelo's been exposed as a, as a defensive, you know, fullback who can't defend. Uh, and, you know, with Ter Stegen being out for a while, like their defense was really bad. And now, if you look at it, they're allowing more final third touches than they did last year by uh, 15%. 
Their shots allowed per match went from 8.7 last year to 10.8 this year. XG per shot is way up. Uh, and all of these problems, Xavi has never had a tactical solve for. And he's never had a tactical solve in the past either. So I think it's just like a the personnel is not good and the defense is not good enough. And they're leaking goals left and right. They they really could have conceded multiple goals to, to Vigo. Um, if, you know, Vigo, it was like, you know, it didn't register in the XG, but there were so many moments where Vigo looked like they were running at the Barca back line with numbers. And it was like, they just missed the pass or they just didn't quite come off. And that's very south of Vigo. But Napoli is a much better attacking team than that. I think both teams here have success scoring. Uh, Barcelona goes on the road. If this were reversed, where Barcelona was at home in the first leg, and you saw much more reserved defensive Napoli, I'd be less inclined to bet this over actually at two seven five. But because I think Barca is on the road, like they have an incentive to kind of go for it a little bit uh, with that home leg coming back. Napoli needs to get a result, so I think you get goals in this one. I like over two point seven five for uh, Napoli Barca. I think both defenses are a little flawed. Yeah, I might be there be with I might be excuse me. I might be with you on that one. Be you know, obviously, like you mentioned, Barcelona can't stop anybody. Uh this is from our pal uh Mark Stats. Uh he put out this box defending in the Premier League and La Liga. So essentially the amount uh the opponent cross success rate and your block shots, like how many times you're actually blocking shots. So essentially, how good are you actually like from preventing teams when balls are flying into the penalty area? Uh, Barcelona's dead last between the Premier League and La Liga. Do you, you want to guess who is the best box defending team? I'll give you a hint. It's a mid-table Premier League team that just pulled off a massive upset this weekend. Wolves? Yeah. Okay. Highest percentage of block shots and preventing opponents' crosses into their penalty area. So It's very, very Gary O'Neill special. It's very yeah, Gary O'Neill. But the, the, the point remains true is that, like, our, you know, like you said, Barcelona can't stop anybody. And they can't prevent anybody from getting into their box. So, you know, obviously, like you said, an Napoli team that has run pretty bad offensively is going to have their chances. And Barcelona in possession is obviously very, very good. They're still yeah, a good right. offense. Like, there's no doubting that. So I agree with you. I'll probably be on the over here. Might have a bet in every, every one of those in every game so far. Why not? Uh, this Champions League. I went 0-2 so. last week. and Yeah, so, so we'll I'm see. Munich, I mean, you so know. Time to, re- time to recoup some losses. I know. We also have a couple of really matches now. that we'll talk about in a second coming up. So it's actually a pretty fun week it uh, is. In, in terms of, of uh, betting on soccer. So, yeah, I agree with you. If anything, maybe a both team, I don't know, you know, both teams score over two and a half. It sounds a little enticing to me, maybe. Um, it cashed in the Luton game in like eight minutes. It did. Ago. And over three didn't after, you know, three goals inside 15 minutes. But, uh, yeah, so I, I agree with you. I mean, Barcelona can't stop anybody. I'm not feeling very confident about my 20 to one ticket for Barcelona to uh, win La Liga. Although they gained two points back this weekend after some hilarious VAR stuff uh, and stoppage time against Vigo um, and obviously Real Madrid. I mean, it wa- like it was a penalty. It was. Yeah. But can any team in the, on God's earth run worse than this Vigo team? I, I, I felt know. bad. I had the over. I cashed my ticket, and then of course the guy was Guaita was off the line. But it was like it, it was Groundhog Day. For, for Rafa, I, I really felt bad. And even the commentator made a joke, made a comment about it because they've lost like three or four matches like in stoppage time on penalties. And then they save the pen, but then he was like way off the line. But only because Lewandowski's like doing that joke trick thing with like where you stop, fake it, go, stop again. Like, yeah, they need to figure something out with that. But yeah, uh, Vigo down bad again. Played, played, outplayed Barca for most of that match, I'd say. Yeah. Anyway. So, anyway. I mean, yeah. no. 
the man. Uh, mm. Let's go to Europa League quickly. Fun week for, for us in Europa League last week. Probably mm-hmm. the only thing we won as a group. Yep. Uh, almost swept the board. I think we gave out five picks. You were three and I split mine. Where do we go for this week? Galatasaray yeah. total is still below three. Which Yeah, no, okay. that's, that's part of my favorite picks. I watched... I ended up watching most of that match um, and was live betting it like crazy because Gallo was getting pumped and after they scored the first goal against Spark and Prague. Uh, Prague was really taking it to them. And as we know They're about good. Gallo right? they it's chaos ball. It's like all 90 minutes, it's just chaos ball. Even they even when you know they were up 2-1, like they concede like literally minutes later, um, uh, they get a red card. Nielsen, their best defender, is going to miss this match. Yep. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm projecting like close to three and a half goals. So over two and a half is still sitting at minus 125, minus 130 in that range. So that's one of my favorite bets. It's just going to be very back and forth, just like the first leg was. I also uh, kind of like Prague. They're they're like a pick them at home here. I, I don't really like that line. I'll, I'll be flat honest with you. I actually have Galatasaray at plus 125. I'm not betting them because they're obviously up one and they're without their best defender. But uh, there were stretches where they were playing extremely open. And I mean, they had a chance to to win it. They had a two on one versus just the goalkeeper, and the guy decided to shoot, and it went off uh, Musilera's face. And then immediately Galatasaray got the ball, got it down, and Icardi scored the scored the winner from outside the box. But like there, if he just passes the ball, like that was an easy yeah. winner. For no, I thought they so, outplayed them too. I watched. I was I was split screening that with uh, with the Nord, and yeah. I really thought I really thought like first of all. Uh, Feyenoord Roma is going to be an awesome second leg. The first leg was awesome, really good stuff. And, and we couldn't get a third goal, but it was a fun match. And I think that match is going to be, uh, really interesting because like you watch De Rossi set up this Roma team. It is so different from how they were playing under Mourinho. I mean, that's most managers, but especially this one, like they actually were sending Dybala and Lukaku forward and bringing in supporting runs. They got a goal from their center back today against Frosinone. Um, so they're committed to playing this different style. I am tempted by Prague. I want to do more research into it. I did bet the over two and a half there. Uh, I'm also tempted by Feyenoord. I thought they played really well. Santi didn't come on until the 65th minute. You know, they're kind of managing his minutes a little bit. I expect him to start in this one for the second leg. So that makes their attack a lot better. And, and their attack really kicked into gear once he came in. So yep. that will be a fun, fun tie. And uh, again, I mean, like this is the fifth time they've played in three years. So Yeah, it's crazy. And one more I'll give out. Korobag Braga over two and a half. First leg, six goals, 5.2 expected goals between the two. Braga has become a very, very aggressive team out of possession. Poor man's of- Real Madrid. Exactly. Just vibe they are very, very aggressive. They have to go to that. They're down two goals going to Azerbaijan. Uh, so it's going to leave a lot of space out on the break, which is how they got punished in the first leg. So love the over in that. So I just kind of like a little couple overs here. Um, kind of steering clear, waiting for the next round in terms of betting any money lines or anything like that. But as always, follow us in the Action Network app. Join the Discord, and we'll be obviously you know talking through any other bets that we make throughout the week. All right, we have two prem matches before we get out of here. Interestingly enough, Liverpool plays Luton, Man City plays Brentford. The, the lines are the same Yep, for the two matches. They're both laying about two goals. Who would you rather bet? Is that the question? <laughs> yes, that was the question. I think the question is Brentford the is my answer here. to that Brentford is my answer to that question. Because there's multiple ways to look at this, right? These two teams, Brentford and City literally just played. We just watched it on Monday night. Uh, I bet the Brentford first half team total, the both teams to score. We cashed both in the first half. I was feeling great. 
And they created over one XG. They had 18 box touches. It's something I've talked about with the city team for like a month now. And it's, they're just not that good defensively right now. The way they're playing, they're shoving all these attackers on the pitch. They're not keeping clean sheets at the same rate because they're more open. They're more easy to play through. You can keep possession more. The press is not as effective. And you saw all of that on Saturday. Like Chelsea created over one and a half XG on like seven shots because they're just good on the break. And if you have guys who can do that and you have just, you have more time to pick out those passes and play that one, two combo, you can really get to city. And I think that's the path. So look, if you played first half team total with us at plus 180 at Brentford a couple weeks ago, how do we not play at plus 250 for the first half team total, right? I mean, I'm playing Brentford to score here. Brentford to score minus 110, right? Yep. So you're, like that, that, you're paying a little bit of a tax there now relative to two weeks ago. But we, again, yeah. like I completely disagree with the market two weeks ago. I still do now. So yeah, yeah Brentford team totals again. Like, yeah, yeah I don't Liverpool, but they created a bunch of good chances in the first 25 did. minutes. They got done in. I thought it was funny. Like, of course, Brentford give up a goal to Liverpool that Brentford has scored on so many different teams in the last two yeah. years where it's just a two-man attack, one ball, simple flick, header, in on goal, finish. And that's what they usually do to teams. And I thought they got a little bit panicky in the second half. Like, they overcommitted. They, they really pressed too high. You can't beat Liverpool at their own game. And yep. that's what they tried to do. And Liverpool was like, okay, thank you. Nunez in on the to- in on goal. Sala over the top. Uh, 2-0, 3-0, and, and then it was over. But the Bees will be live. And if the Bees don't catch the first half team total, I might add more live at half. I just really think they're always in this game. That being said, if you're Pep, how do you not just roll the same crew? Just roll the same five yeah, out there and say, hey, we created three XG almost and four post-shot. Flecken stood on his head to keep it at 3-1. We could have just won that game like five one if we really wanted to, but on better finishing day. So I, I, if you're if you're Pep, I mean, just play the Holland, De Bruyne, Foden, Alvarez lineup again with Doku. Worst case, Silva comes in. He does make a difference, but yeah, I think it's Brentford team totals again. I want no part of fading the City attack right now. Yeah, it took no, like I don't. Holland's worst finishing game ever. For them, yeah. to, for them to not score multiple goals last week. I know. It, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I like Brentford, like I said, team total. Uh, basically a score, minus 110. Um, you know, we're not a trends podcast, but Brentford has scored in their last 10 matches. Um, and they've created over one expected goal. Uh, the last time they, in, in their last uh, eight, last time they didn't was against Aston Villa when they went up one nothing and got a red card in the second half. Yeah. So they have created over one expected goal against yeah, Tottenham, against, Liverpool, against Manchester City, against all of these teams. And guess what? A lot of that was without Ivan Tony. Since he's been back, they have obviously looked much, much better. And the biggest thing, and we talked about this on the, the last Premier League episode, you know, teams like Liverpool and Arsenal are pressing at an elite level to the point where they are allowing a very, very low long ball completion percentage. City's press is not elite enough, to, at least to the point where Arsenal and Liverpool's are. So they are allowing a close to 53% long ball completion percentage, which is in the bottom half of the of the Premier League. And as you saw, how did Brentford score their only goal against Manchester City? A long ball off a goal kick, which I was doing some reading. That was by design. Like they took it. What Brentford did is they took advantage of the fact that there is no offsides on goal kicks. So Ivan Tony shielded the defender. And obviously he draws a lot of attention because he's, you know, Ivan Tony. And Neil Mopai just snuck right through. Now, the ball was perfect. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, that, you know, you have to hit the ball perfectly to get it through like that. But it just goes to show that, like, Brentford takes advantage of these little 
you know, minute scenarios. And obviously they have to do that against Manchester City, who, by the way, is still in the bottom half of the Premier League and XG per set piece allowed. So Brentford does have an advantage on set pieces here. So there's a couple, you know, routes where Brentford can actually create chances. So um, I projected them for 0.9 goals in this match. So to score at minus 110 is, is pretty close, I guess. But I like the value on them. I think that they're definitely live here to score. Yep. That makes uh, two of us. I will be fascinated to see what changes tactically between Frank and, and uh, Guardiola. I mean, I mean the defense has really been get... terrible. Like, they got to oh, figure okay. something and, out. Yeah, they, they're, they're in trouble there. Collins yeah. has been bad. Uh, he was really bad, I thought, Saturday uh, yeah. morning. Of which, you know, these 730 games, I never win. So I got to quit. But <laughs> I, can't, I can't quit him. With that being said, uh, Ivan Tony to score. Don't even know the odds. Didn't even check. Oh, the I looked it up. It's, uh, it's I believe plus... one. They're calling me Tony Props now. I'm gonna just put my marker down. Oh, I am too. I, I love. I um, we're betting Tony again. Just yep. Assume that. Plus, I saw plus three eighty to score. Well, so he scored in four or five. The only one he didn't score was against City. Yep. Um, but again, scored in some some big matches. Yep. Plus three eighty uh, anytime goal score. Ivan Tony. Yep. We'll roll again. Without a doubt. Okay. And last match. Liverpool-Luton. Now, I just talked about this, right? If your plan against Liverpool is to try to beat them at their own game and like <laughs> turn this into a chaotic match, and your plan is also to go to Anfield with this strategy, good luck. That's just my belief on this. And yeah, that's one way to look at this. The other way to say it is, oh, well, like who's actually going to play for Liverpool? Because Trent's still out. Uh, I know I say this like every week and then it doesn't matter because they score five goals, but Darwin likely out based on my reading of the situation. Maybe he comes, maybe he doesn't start. And if it's like tied late, they need a goal. They'll bring him in, but it doesn't seem to me he's going to play. They've got the cup final on Sunday against Chelsea. He's probably out. Diogo's out. So now your, your front three is going to be Diaz. Who's been kind of bad. Gakpo. Who's also been kind of bad. And Salah, who's back now and looks great. So. You know, does that hurt their attacking output? Or is Luton's defense so bad and the way they play so enticing to Liverpool that it just doesn't matter and they're just gonna get pumped? I think option two is is the is what's gonna happen. I actually do like over three and a half. Um yeah, I mean Luton I mean Rob Edwards has basically just kind of said we we can't sit in a low block. Like we just we tried it. We they tried it early on in this season. They got ripped apart so many times so he basically has just said you know what we're pressing high we're playing fast matches and we're just going for it and hey guess what it's hard to say he's wrong given the squad that he has like given you know the performances that they've, profitable they've put ABS up in the prem yeah like and like it doesn't more- get them any points they're probably gonna get relegated but the fact that they're this close is i mean he's getting applauded off the pitch after the loss today to man united yeah they and played the, great. The punditry, like they, the punditry, they barely mentioned United. They, yeah. All it was was, well, you know, Luton, that Rob Edwards is doing a hell of a job. Look at the, effort, the passion, the quality. You know, they they played six big six teams, and five of them were within a goal, and one of them was a draw. But what Exactly. Effort. Like, they have, they have... That's a good point. They have played everybody, you know, essentially tough. Now, you know, if you look at their last few matches, I think the last, you know... Especially the matches, you know, against um, against Brighton and against Newcastle, they have identified that like we're just pressing high 
And it doesn't really matter if the, the team is a good build-up team or a bad build-up team. Like we are just pressing intensely and that's what we're doing. And we're going for it. And it just creates these incredibly high event matches. But guess what? When Luton is also in possession and they have, you know, the ability to actually be on the ball, like they are dangerous throwing in crosses and set pieces and everything. And Liverpool, they have kind of struggled with those. Allison is also still out. So you have a backup goalkeeper in, which is, you know, obviously is a downgrade. So there are paths where Luton Town can hit Liverpool on the break here. But again, like there is a scenario where Liverpool just puts four past them and it's uh, an absolute route, especially at Anfield. So um, 4.2 goals for this match, Anthony. And I don't think I'm that wrong. So I, don't, I, I actually don't agree. I don't disagree. I mean, obviously it like depends if Nunez can go or not and how fit he is. Yeah. And, but Salah being back is obviously huge. Like that is that is you know if he was if he was also out alongside Nunez, then then it's like okay, then we're starting Harvey Elliott, Diaz, and Gakpo up top. Like that's not. It still is okay, but like it's not it's as comparatively good, yeah. to what they have. They're going to be fine. Right, so the going to be fine. Uh, yeah. So. Liverpool, I think you bet every Luton over. I, I was updating our spreadsheet on best bets. You're, you've had Luton over like five straight weeks. Yeah, and, I'm uh, just going to keep doing it. You like haven't they, lost any of them. You had a push today. It was unlucky, and you haven't lost any of them. So why not uh, keep the trend going? I generally, I mean, you would have to do a lot of things to get me to bet under in this game. So yeah. if you gave me four, I'd still think about it. I'd probably not yeah. bet the under uh, just because of how insane these matches have been with Luton. And, um, you know, we haven't seen them play like the elite elite. With this new approach yet, they played Newcastle, they played Brighton. I'm curious to see what this looks like against like one of the three big boys. They also didn't go to Arsenal yet, right? And they haven't gone to City yet. Correct. So, they haven't gone. They have not gone to Tottenham yet either. That match, you should set the total at four and a half. And I <laughs> but seriously, like they haven't gone on the road against these top tier attacking teams yet. Yeah. So. Let's uh, let's see how that goes. I'm excited to see. Uh, uh, then again, there's no better spot to catch Liverpool, right? Like off a right. big win, cup final loading, injury concerns, both ends of the pitch. So uh, if leave uh, off, we're, we're going to get like a good half, and they also staggered it a little bit, so we get like 30 good minutes before uh, before uh, Napoli Bars on Wednesday. So that yeah. will be well, an enjoyable watch. And uh, this has been an enjoyable show, and we will be back on Thursday morning to preview the full Premier League slate. So another good one. We got a cup final this weekend to discuss. And is Chelsea back? Some people are saying yes, not me. Uh, and we will be discussing all of those matches on Thursday morning. Thanks again to BJ Cunningham. Thanks again to our sponsor, Bet365. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Hope everybody enjoys a great Champions League. Hopefully we win some this week. And uh, we will be back on Thursday. So thank you, everybody. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.